As we come to worship the Lord, we're going to start with reading some passages from the book of Hebrews, but this will be a selected sermon, a selected scripture sermon, but also based upon the theology of the book of Hebrews, that is that Christ is supreme and sufficient. But I want to read several passages as we begin from the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The he in these verses is, of course, Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing, as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And then... Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Lord, as we come to your word, we pray that you would give us your grace to hear and to understand and to do. And we also pray for our dear sisters, Lord, we commit them into your grace, into your loving, faithful hands, and pray that you would protect them, provide for them, and do great things in them and through them, Lord, for your glory. We give you yourself, Lord, the praise and the glory and the honor for Christ's sake. Amen. A few weeks ago, my family and I, we went to the theater in Puyallup and we saw the play, The Wizard of Oz. And it's during that play and during the movie, when they are in a forest, when they give kind of that chant, lions and tigers and bears, oh my, lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Well, this past maybe two weeks after that play, I had a similar incident, but not with lions and tigers and bear, but with Mother Mary the rosary, and aliens. Oh, my. So there had been opportunities to converse, to witness about Christ. And when that happened, more than a couple times, either the result was the person that I was witnessing to would talk to me about Mother Mary or the rosary or, believe it or not, aliens. So... Which has happened before, actually, 
and Southern California when I've witnessed. But this time it happened in, in Washington, not one time, but several times. And eventually the conversation got to the part where it was, Tom or Sir, you, you need to give up the Bible because there's something else beyond the Bible that's, that's better. And there's something that's out in the universe that's better than Jesus. And there is this push. There always has been since Genesis chapter 3. And there always will be until Christ comes back, until he returns. There always be this push to reject God's word and to reject God's Savior, Christ. Give up the word of Christ and give up Christ. That will always will be a, a push. And such it was in the book of Hebrews, to give up Christ, to go back to the Old Testament Judaistic religion. So this morning, what I want to emphasize, based upon the book of Hebrews, but also interacting with the current thought and pressure today, is this. Never give up Scripture alone and Christ alone if you want current and eternal blessings. Always be clinging on to the written word of Christ and the incarnate word of Christ if you want to have an incredible life, including this wonderful eternal life. Now, to do this, we're going to apply scriptures to Mother Mary and the Rosary and to aliens. (laughs) Because in these conversations that I've had, uh, both in person and Uh, on the internet, there has been this pressure that the Bible's just not enough. There's, There's something more that you need to even see, whether it's Mary or our aliens. And there can be this pressure that Jesus Christ is not enough. There's something more. And either you have or or you will encounter such thinking. And how do we interact then with these line of thoughts, with this theology? So first, we're going to take Scripture and take Jesus Christ and apply it to basically Roman Catholicism. And we're going to look at it as the current issue, the application of Scripture, and then what is the actual issue? So the current issue, the application, and then... What is really the root issue here? So first, the current issue. Maybe you've seen it, and if you haven't, I I think you should probably see it. The movie, The Sound of Freedom. Have you seen that? I would recommend you you see that. It's about child trafficking. And uh, the U.S. has the greatest number of people that want to do child trafficking. It's horrible. The, The U.S. leads in that evil, grotesque, sin. So I'm not in any way attacking that movie or even the star in that movie, but the star in that movie, he and a retired retired general, General Flynn, you may know of him, he was in Trump's initial administration. It was interesting to me that in order to combat this evil and to rally the American people to fight against this evil, they are going to hold a rosary rally. A rosary 
rally. I'm not judging their motivation, but there is a, a, a push that we need to be spiritual. We need to be godly. In fact, there's a Navy SEAL that, that has a talk show. It could be a pretty good talk show. And he had on the star of The Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel. And this Navy SEAL said that he's found God and he's become more spiritual. And he wants to really be involved in spiritual warfare. And to fight to win. Fight against the devil. So he reached into his pocket and drew out a rosary. And handed it to the star of Sound of Freedom, Jim Caviezel. Well, Jim Caviezel pulled out already his own rosary. He already had a rosary. And so they, they both briefly talked about how they want to be more spiritual and, and more godly. And, and fight evil and fight the devil. And the way they do that is through, they said, Mother Mary and Jesus and Fatima and praying through the rosary. I can remember years ago when I was in India... I think I've heard this before. I was at a a friend's house, his whole family, and they asked me to pray over the meal. So I prayed over the meal, and at the end of the prayer, I said, in Jesus' name. And the father immediately said, how dare you? Why didn't you say in Mary's name? You should pray in Mary's name, not in the name of Jesus. This was in India. I, I was more persecuted by Roman Catholics in India than I was by Buddhists or Hindus or Sikhs or Muslims. But what I am saying is that there can be this emphasis that we're doing this great deed. Child trafficking needs to be eradicated. But there can be this emphasis of this has awakened my soul to be more godly. Well, the way that I should be more godly is by getting closer to Mary and I really want to pray more. And how I pray is through the rosary. And I think this is becoming more manifest. And during this time, these past two weeks, I encountered this lady. And I was witnessing to her and shared scripture with her. And she was Roman Catholic, and I talked about the refuges in Jesus, the, the, the refuges in God. Uh, Mary doesn't love you the way that Jesus Christ loves you. God loves you more than Mary or Michael. There is this emphasis on trusting in Michael. Michael is the, the angel of protection, so if you're in need or if you're going to battle, you need to pray to Michael and ask Michael to help you. And I've, I've seen generals pray this way. And so I was sharing with this lady and some others that the refuge that is the most capable and that loves you the most is Jesus Christ. That Mary and Michael didn't die on the cross for you, then rise again. But her response was, those are just words. And I said, well, truly my words are just words. But what I shared was, was scripture. And she said, no, you need to go. There's a certain place in Bosnia, uh, in that area, where Mary appears. 
And I can give you the website later if you'd like to have the website which talks about this. If you go there, many people have been there. They've seen visions. They've been healed physically and spiritually. Just don't talk to me about about words. You need actually to experience God through Mary. And that's what she was saying. And I think she was sincere. I, I, I think all these people are very sincere. I don't think they're trying to be deceitful or hurtful in, in any way. My cousin, through, through Lisa, he was Roman Catholic, and we dialogued a lot about Mass and the Bible alone and, and how to be saved. And he was very Roman Catholic, and he had a rosary. And even in our dialogue, we dialogued for many, 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 many months. And then he had a brain aneurysm and died. And he, to my knowledge, never trusted in Christ alone. My concern is that, number one, I want to be sure that all of us are trusting and nobody else except for the Lord Jesus Christ and, and his word. But also when we witness and we encounter this, how do we help these people? What are some some verses and some passages that we can use? Now, if you have your your notes, I didn't make many many copies, but if you have your notes, you can see on the back is the rosary. So there have been more times than just now when I've encountered people telling me to use a rosary. When I was a chaplain in the prison in Los Angeles, I did that for a while, I would have inmates that would come to me and say, Pastor, can you please give me a, a rosary? I, I need, I'd say, why? And they would say, because I want to repent, I, I want to get my life right. And so I would say, well, you don't get your life right by putting a, beads around your neck or going to the beads or praying some kind of pre-written prayer, but you, you go to Jesus Christ. The, the rosary is basically a, a necklace of beads, and at the end it has the cross. And you use that necklace kind of as a guide to help you pray. So the, the necklace itself is not bad. It's, it's not evil, right? It's a necklace that has a cross on it. As you start the rosary, basically you make the sign of a cross. And then you recite the Apostles' Creed. And then you say, Our Father. And then you, I've forgotten the exact number of times, but then you say, Hail Mary, maybe ten times. And then toward the end, you say, Our Holy Queen Mother. And then, I think after that, you might say, Our Father again, and glory be to God. And then if you want to, you can make a prayer to St. Joseph. And so, many individuals then, when you see them having a rosary in their hand, and they're going through their beads, they use the beads to remind them of what to say. And again, I'm not, and I know you're not judging their, their heart or their motivation, but the idea is that this is spiritual warfare, and they've been taught that if they follow this type of prayer and say these type of words, then they'll be spiritually protected and they'll be closer to God. Even, not to go off on a tangent, but even the... The Sound of Freedom, 
It's about the man, Tim Ballard, that started Operation Underground Railroad, which tremendous, tremendous organization. But one of the reasons why he said he had to save these children, again, we're not judging their motivations, but the theology is because his wife said, basically, the New Testament says that if how you treat the little ones, if you mistreat them, there's going to be a millstone tied around your head and you're going to be thrown into the water. So he said, I had to do this. Otherwise, I would lose my salvation. So we're not judging their motivation, but we're examining the theology is unbiblical. And people, for a they can do a good deed and at least horizontally have good motivations, but not be saved. Can people do good things horizontally speaking and still go to hell? Yes, because they've never trusted in Jesus Christ. And so that's the the current issue. The application of Scripture a scripture alone and Christ alone. This is not all, but this is some of the things I shared with especially this lady and a few others. Psalm 62 and Psalm 46, and of course there, there's many others, talk about who we should take refuge in. Is, is it Michael? Is it Mary? Is it Mother Teresa? Who, who is it? That we, is it a pastor? Is it, is it an apostle? Is it food? Is it in a, in a movement? Is it in a military? Is it in um, our republic being restored? What do we take refuge in? Psalm 62, verse 2. He, meaning God, only is my rock. Only Him, only God. Really, it's throughout this Whole Psalm, Psalm uh, verse five. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. Verse six. He only is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I shall not be shaken. Trust in Him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Verse eleven and twelve. Power belongs to God, and loving kindness is yours, O Lord. Our place and focus of refuge is not in any angel or man or woman or alien, but in Jesus Christ and the Lord and God and the triune God. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we would not fear though the earth could change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Of course, verse 10, be still and know that I am God. And throughout this psalm, the Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. The Lord of hosts is with us. There is never in Scripture this emphasis of an angel is with you. Jesus is Emmanuel. God is with us. God certainly can use angels and does use angels to do many of his works. But the greatest blessing that we have and the call that we see even in Hebrews is to look at 
and not an angel ever. The Bible never says that, but to look at the Lord. Again, from Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that who is good? God. It never says, oh, taste and see that the earthly human mother of the incarnate God. It doesn't say, oh, taste her. It doesn't say, oh, taste Gabriel. It never says that. So there is this rejection of Scripture, of God's Word, and rather this exaltation and embracing of tradition are something that they've been taught. And perhaps we've done similar things, place something above God's Word and embrace that. We're called to embrace God's Word, and God calls us to embrace and focus. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4, we focus on Christ, because Christ is our life. But further, the Lord made everything, knows everything, is everywhere, our powerful, and loves you more than a saint or an angel ever could. This is something that, that you can share with somebody that's a Muslim or a Hindu or a Buddhist or a Roman Catholic, uh, a Mormon. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. You, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens of the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all become old like a garment. And like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. There was no angel or no saint that made the earth or sustains the earth or will end the earth. Rather, that's the Lord. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. When it says, in him all things hold together, it's this old Greek word, sta, which means uh, to stand, and it's perfect here. That is, God is causing all the molecules of the whole universe to stand up together from from eternity past and currently at this moment. And in context, it's the Lord Jesus Christ that is doing this. No angel, and, and not Mary, and no church, no politician, and certainly no alien, but Jesus Christ, the Lord. Even talking about his love, Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, that we, together with all the saints, would be able to comprehend Ephesians chapter 3, verse 18, what is the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. Does Scripture anywhere say, Michael, the archangel, Gabriel, uh, Mary has loved you. Oh, the height, the width, the, the, the breadth of the love of Mary, or the love of this angel for you. Is that anywhere in Scripture? It's not. It's a lie that Satan uses because 
it is very humbling to bow your knee and to kiss the Son of God and say, I'm undone. There's nothing I can do that can save myself. You, Lord Jesus, alone must save me. Please save me, Lord. The Lord alone is our refuge. The Lord alone made everything, knows everything, is everywhere. Psalm 139 is about who? Who is omniscient and omnipresent? God alone. No angel. No saint. Certainly no alien. You don't need Mary. You don't need an angel. You don't need an alien. You don't need a politician. You don't need me. You need Jesus. Third, the Lord tells us how to pray. And you can search the scriptures. No rosary is mentioned. No, there's nothing wrong with wearing a necklace with a cross on it. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that the scriptures teach us how to pray. And it doesn't say to recite the prayer that we have with the rosary. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it does give the Lord's prayer. It says, pray then in this way. But it's not saying make a, 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 a mantra. It's not saying repeat this word for word. Pray in this way is the idea here as a guide. Pray for what glorifies God. Pray for, according to God's greatness. And then pray for what you need. You have verses 9 through 10, which is pray first in submission to God, his kingdom, his glory, his will, his holiness. And then after that, bring your needs before God. That's the idea. At least if you wanted to say a type of a pre-existent prayer, you could at least just pray this. And if you read this, it doesn't say, Hail Mary. There's no place in Scripture where it says, Hail any saint. That's blasphemy. Now, Roman Catholic theology will say, no, it's not, we're not worshiping them, but there is a type of veneration of them. In practice, it is worship. In practice, what they do is worshiping Mary or some other saints. Even here in verse 7 of Matthew 6, when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do. I can remember one time in the end of the I was in a prayer group and I've shared with you before this lady was praying and she was Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. She went on like for two or three minutes and so finally I had to say, excuse me, you're, I love you but you're not praying. That's not a prayer. And just saying, even if you were just, if, you were just saying ten times, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God. It may be sincere, but it's not necessarily a prayer to go through something that's already written, nor is it a prayer necessarily just to say a spiritual word ten times. You can read Paul's prayer, his prayers, his prayers in the New Testament. Is he ever going, God, 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 
Mary, 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 Mary. Never. What about Daniel's prayer? When Daniel prays, is he God, 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 glory, God, God. No. There's argumentation. There's sensibility. There's clarity. There's purposefulness in the prayer. Read Nehemiah's prayer. Even if he just prays briefly, it's not something that was prefabricated. It's not a, a mantra. It's something that's sensible. Now, it's not wrong to read the Apostles' Creed. It's not wrong to read a psalm to God. But to just recite something all the time that was always written, and even something that really is not making much sense or is contrary to God's word, like Holy Queen Mother. Do you know where that comes from? (laughs) That comes from uh, Eastern pagan religion, Holy Queen Mother. Ultimately, that's where their roots come from. And certainly, that's not in Scripture. And we're to pray in, in Christ's name. We're praying in the name of Jesus, not in the name of Mary, which I would say, I don't want to go off on a tangent on that, but it's not necessarily at the end of every prayer you must say in Jesus' name. Okay, again, you can read Paul's prayer. Paul doesn't pray that way one time. Should we rebuke the Apostle Paul because he doesn't pray in the name of Jesus? Test me out. Read Paul's prayers and see if he ever ends his prayer with, in the name of Jesus. I'm not saying it's wrong to pray, to to use that. But what does that mean? What does that mean? That our prayers go through Jesus Christ to God. That we pray for what's in accordance with his character and for his glory. That's mainly what it means. And that's not what the rosary does. And so I was trying to help this dear lady with, I'm so glad you want to pray to God. That's Praise God. Most people don't want to pray. But the Bible tells us how to pray. You can just talk to God. Psalm 62 verse 8 says, pour out your heart to God. Have you ever just sat down and cried and pour out your heart to God? Not, not through this prefabricated prayer, but just have you ever talked to God and cried to him what's really in your in the deepest part of your heart? No. Well, I said, that's what prayer is. That's truly what prayer is. And you can do that. Especially through Christ. But her response was, have you seen Mary? So, may God give her grace. Further, and these, this last one will be quick. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the mediator between God and man. First Timothy 2, 5. I don't need to go in depth into that because we've been going through the, the book of Hebrews. Jesus Christ, First John 2, verse 2, and verse 1 would say he's our advocate. First John 2, 2 says that Jesus, he himself is our propitiation. The mediator is Jesus Christ. The, the satisfier of the wrath of God is not Gabriel, Michael, Mary, Peter, Paul, it's who? It's Jesus Christ has satisfied the wrath of God by giving up his own life. So with that in mind, the actual issue is it's a rejection. That is this this emphasis 
that you, you need to have an experience with an angel. You need to have an experience with Mary. You, you need to have something else it is out there. The Bible and Jesus is not enough is this worldly theme. But scripture says, never give up the word of God. Never give up this word that has become flesh. You know what amazes me? <laughs> the Joe Rogan podcast, I'm not saying watch that. I just get news feeds that pop up. You guys know who Joe Rogan is. Bald-headed guy, used to be the fear factor. Now he has one of the most watched podcasts in the world. Two or three days ago, I thought it was amazing. They said, let's read Revelation 13. And then they read it and they're like, but maybe in Greek it's something else. So live, online, they showed it. They actually got the Greek definition for some of the words that were in the text. And then other guy goes, this kind of reminds me of the Gospel of John. Let's read the Gospel of John. This is live. Millions of people. And so they began to read the Gospel of John, the Word of God. And they were like, this is Logos. This is the divine word. The divine word is light. And the light went into the darkness, and the darkness rejected it. This is profound. Now, they weren't theologically accurate with some of the things they were saying. But what I'm pointing out is you have some people that are flatly rejecting the word. And then you have some people, certainly, that are not saved and that have rejected Christ and being an atheist saying, something's here in, in the text. Just from reading the Bible, you could see that their minds were beginning to open some. And perhaps God will save them. That would be fantastic. And I bring that up to say, it, it's about the Word of God and the living Word. It's about this living Word of God, but, but the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ. I mean, ever want to replace anything in our life in front of or before the Bible and Jesus Christ. We want to stand upon the word and stand upon Christ. Have you replaced Jesus? Have you replaced the Bible? Again, I I am a little bit amazed. I pray God is doing something in our society. And I asked some people this. Are you reading the Bible as much as Tucker Carlson? Are you reading the Bible like Tucker? I know some of you probably watch Tucker Carlson. Are you reading the Bible like Tucker? So publicly, and you know, he was interviewing all these Republican candidates. But before, he said, I, I just decided, I, I never had, but I, would just decide, I, I just decided I'm going to read the Bible all, all the way through. So he's read all the way through the New Testament, and now he started the Old Testament, and he's on the book of Deuteronomy. And he said, I've learned two things. Number one, God's in control. Number two, man has a really big, huge problem. He's a pretty good Bible interpreter. Have you ever read that much of the Bible? If you say you're a Christian and you haven't read that much of the Bible and you've been a Christian for a couple of years, that's not good. So what I'm saying that the scripture says is ground yourself in the word of God. If Joe Rogan can read the Bible and Tucker Carson can read the whole New Testament and then all, all the way up to the book of Deuteronomy, 
then as a Christian, you had better be reading the Bible. Otherwise, you could be deceived. Read the Bible and trust Jesus. Secondly, believe it or not, the aliens are here. Aliens are here, and you'd be surprised. I thought it was just in California. I have witnessed in uh, Santa Monica Pier and Venice Beach, where many times I encountered people that believed in aliens. And now, even in Washington, I've even recently witnessed to somebody, and they were concerned about aliens. Now, that may seem far-fetched. However, again, uh, the current issue... Application and then the actual issue. However, did you know that very recently there were three men, more than three men actually, that gave testimony to a hearing in Congress, Mark, not Mark, uh, Matt, Gertz, and some others were part of it on the existence of aliens. These men were not like street urchins. They, they weren't drug addicts. They were in the military. They were pilots. They were pilots that had high security clearance. And they said, this is almost a verbatim quote, that the U.S. has alien spaceships. Now, they put their hand on the Bible and gave sworn testimony. And I watched, uh, he didn't watch all of the hearing because it's hours and hours, but I watched parts of it. That we actually have alien spacecraft and we have non-human biologics. Okay, now, these men placed their hand in the Bible. Now, there are many people that place their hand in the Bible and lie. Okay? I'm just saying, that's what he said. And so you had Matt Gertz, is that how you say his name? And other congressmen, both Republican and Democrat, that asked many questions. And then they showed footage, which has been around since 2017. I don't know if you've seen it. There's been uh, footage, you can see it from the airplane, from the little... Um, targeting system, you see this uh, vehicle, aerial vehicle going, and you hear the pilots and radar men talking about it, and they can't keep up with it, and there's many of them. And this is, I'm not sure, it was an F, it may have been an F-18 or an F-35, I'm not sure what's on the aircraft carriers now, but they couldn't keep up with these ships, and then in one second, it was 60 miles away. And they have many videos of this. Many. Okay. So, around the same time, so I, I saw all that, and then around the, around the same time, I'm witnessing to this person, and child trafficking comes up. So, I, I try to use that to say, there is no one who is good, not even one. We all together have become uh, unrighteous before God. And you can see that with the horrible child trafficking. And she said, no. It's not humans that are doing that. It's who? It's the aliens. The aliens are who are so evil. A lot of this evil in this world is caused by the lizards under the earth are aliens from up above. It's not that people are so bad. Some people are bad. Most people are good. But there are some really bad aliens that have been kidnapping people. And using them for experimentation. That can be very common depending on who you're witnessing to. Now, again, Congress did not say what I just said. That was a lady. 
But these other three men did give these reports that there has been for many years that pilots have seen craft that was much, much faster than ours. And they say it's not China or, or Russia, but a vehicle is much faster than ours that are just zooming around. And so some say, well, those are angels. Well, those are are demons. And some that I've talked to, some of these people I've tried to interact with will say, Tommy, you don't understand. They mean to help us. We've destroyed this world. We're going to destroy our solar system. The aliens mean to do us good. We need somebody to help us. We need a savior. And I say, yes, Jesus. No, not Jesus. What we need is we need somebody to save our environment, to, to teach us really how to love one another, to take us to a new level of ascension. And that's the aliens. In fact, this man that has some influence with some members of Congress believes the way that we can contact the aliens is through astral projection. There's even a man that I know of, that I've dialogued some with. He says he's a Christian, but he says as a Christian, you should be able to soar through the universe through astral projection. Now, to make matters maybe worse or a little bit more confusing, I don't know if they took it down, but I saw a speech at Hillsdale College from an executive from from Boeing. And this is what he said. He said, we currently, not will, but we do have technology that you could be any place in the world in one hour. That's what he said. And that our cell phones, we not, we will have it, but exist now, where your cell phone could be continuously recharged by a satellite. So after hearing all this information, my response again was, okay, uh, Mary, the rosary, and aliens, oh my. The Mary, the rosary, and aliens, oh my. You know, if you're not careful, it, it can be, a little bit overwhelming. And so some people then don't want to deal with all this stuff at all or just say, yeah, you know, forget about it. Or some are, oh, there's, there's aliens and they're going to conquer our world or they're aliens and they're going to enlighten us. They're going to come and give us light and hope. So then the application, how do we do this? Well, we know that actual projection is wrong, right? You see that in the book of Deuteronomy. You can see that in the New Testament. Any type of trying to contact uh, spirits or things like that is absolutely forbidden and wrong. And John the Apostle and Paul the Apostle did not use astral projection. The Spirit of God revealed things to them and gave them visions, but it was not astral projection. Of course, we don't do that. We have direct linkage to God the Father through Christ. But then, how do we deal with this issue of aliens? Haven't you ever thought that? Am I the only person that has ever thought, are there aliens in the universe? Well, number 
Number two, actually, first, this actual projection is wrong. Number two, God the Father created all things through God the Son. We've seen that, right, from Hebrews and from Colossians chapter 1. You just saw that. But going back to Genesis and reminding ourselves, Genesis chapter 1, verse 14, Then God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars as well. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw it and it was good. This is to say the universe is not what? Number one, the universe is not God. The universe is not infinite. The universe is not billions and billions and billions of years old. As far as I have found, all of the theories on on aliens is based upon that our universe is how old? Billions and billions and billions of years old. Because of that, because then of the fact of, I say that in quotes, of evolution, then there must be some aliens out there somewhere because our universe is, is infinitely vast. Is that true? Is the universe infinite? No, it's limited. It's not infinite. It's not an infinite universe. It was created by God. God is infinite. The galaxies and all the stars don't go on forever and forever and forever and forever. God placed them within space, time, and matter. They're not infinite. In fact, you can look at Second Peter Chapter 3, and this is where the Bible does teach the truth about global warming. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. In India, I, I preach this sermon that global warming is biblical. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a war, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be burned up. Here are all these elements. Everything is going to be burnt to a crisp in which the heavens will pass away with a war. In other words, there is going to be an end to the universe. There's going to be an end to the galaxy. The universe is not deterministic in the sense of it decides its own destiny. Nor do we decide it, nor aliens, but God does. Now, number three, God created the whole universe for him and for us. There's many passages that we could look at, and I put them in your notes. But quickly, in Colossians chapter 1, you can see what it says at the end of verse 16. All things have been, Colossians chapter 1, at the end of uh, verse 16, all things have been created through him and for him. The universe doesn't exist primarily for us or for aliens. There is a built-in purpose for it, and that is to give the glory of God. But if you look at Genesis 1, 14 through 18, which we read, 
it tells us that God gave us the sun and the stars to help us with day and night. To help us with daytime and nighttime. And it was good that he did this. This is a built-in purpose for the whole universe. God made all the stars. And they're relatively young. Now, not only that, but Christ is the reconciler of the whole universe. What do I mean? Christ is the reconciler of the whole universe. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, and through him to reconcile all things to himself. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things are on earth or things in heavens. It's plural in the Greek. Remember, the whole universe... Is the whole universe uh, pristine and not touched by the curse? The universe is touched by the curse. And in some way, it needs a reconciler. And that reconciler is Jesus Christ. Even Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 10 says, The summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on earth. The whole universe is underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. Alpha Centauri, Betelgeuse, whatever suns and stars there are out there, they're all underneath the lordship of Jesus Christ. He is the reconciler of the whole universe. Number four. Let me be very clear, though, if you're misunderstanding me. I do believe in extraterrestrials. I do believe in extraterrestrials. And so should you. There are beings that are not of this earth. First, we would say, who is not of this earth? Angels and demons. They're not of this earth. Then second, you should not be of this earth. 1 John 2.15, we are not of this world. This isn't our home. It's not. Even the old, perhaps it was the King James, I forgot what version, but in 1 Peter 2.11, it says that we're aliens and strangers, pilgrims. So maybe you could use that to witness to somebody. Do you believe in extraterrestrials? You're looking at them right here. What? <laughs> and then share, share the Bible, share, share the truth. Number five is maybe too repetitive, but reality is determined by God and his word. Psalm 33, verse 6, where God created all there is by speaking, not by evolution from billions of years ago. God spoke, and it was. And then number six, application, is basically these Alienistic views flow from an evolutionary mindset. That the earth is billions of years old, or even the whole universe is infinite. Because of that, then there could be advanced 
sentient beings. I would say that from looking at Scripture, I would say, from my understanding, it seems that Scripture is saying, no, there's not. But let's say all of a sudden a, a spaceship lands and aliens walk out of the spaceship. What should your response be? It should You should give them a track about Jesus. That's what your response should be. Because Jesus is their creator and Jesus is their Lord and Mary and Mike, Michael the Archangel and... I don't think there are outer space aliens, but if they are, they have a creator, they have a Lord, and that Lord is Jesus Christ. And you can tell them to kiss the sun and bow to Jesus Christ because he is your king. Again, the, the issue ultimately is a rejection of the Bible and a rejection of Jesus Christ. There has to be something else out there. Something better than Jesus. Something better than the Bible. But that's what Satan said way back in Genesis 3. It's a repeated lie. And for you young people and not so young people, all the days of my life, it's never changed from Satan or from my remaining sin. There's something better than the Bible and something better than Jesus. That's a lie. There's not. Nothing is as good as Jesus And that's what the Bible tells us. So for any issue in your life, if it's depression or doubt or disease, you stand on the Bible and you look at Jesus. Have you let Jesus go? Have you walked away from the Bible? The good news is that you can come back to the Scriptures, come back to Jesus, and He is glorious in forgiveness. He will gladly forgive you. Bow the knee and ask Jesus to forgive you. And he is glorious in forgiveness. Jesus Christ is better than Mary, than angels, and aliens. Trust him. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you and we praise you because truly you are amazing. You are highly exalted above earth and above heaven. You are Lord of the whole universe. And so we give you the glory and we give you the praise. May we hold on to your word and may we hold on to you, Lord, always, and that by your grace, Lord. We praise you for Christ's sake. Amen.